Welcome to a podcast on fire on Shockwave and a versatile director that's often always interesting in the form of uh, Herman Yao. He can work any genre and for 2017's Shockwave, it's Andy Lau's bomb disposal officer versus mainland terrorists out for revenge and... Uh, that's the movie within, and the challenge within is also how to execute this action and hostage spectacle. In a way, thank God you're Andy Lau and Herman Yowden. More details later. My name is Kennedy, and I'm doing this review of Shockwave Solo. It was uh, and is released as Shockwave Tunnel on DVD and digital download by Cinesia in the UK. And uh, they provided the screener for this episode. So uh, I am uh, doing my bit and um, reviewing the movie. And it also works because I do need to expand my views a little bit more. And horizons really. A little bit more on uh, recent cinema. Because there are things in there. Directors like Herman Yao I've liked for many years and there's no reason to let that go uh, Herman is a multi-genre director and a talented director that uh, has his peaks and valleys and highs and lows and there's no reason to abandon that um, excursion and that um, and that uh, sort of a deepening of my uh, of my fandom so that's why I was happy to look at uh, Shockwave by Herman Yao and I'll throw in some uh, random what I've been up to Lately notes before the main review as well, because I can. I can do what I want, and uh, it's not the most epic episode in length either. But as I said before, when I did the God of War uh, episode, it's daunting to do the uh, solo show. But it's also a welcome challenge and a healthy challenge, because... You know, I've uh, I've stumbled upon and I've latched on to the notion of not sitting on a creative instinct... And obviously this is not a, not a harmful creative instinct or, or instinct at all to pursue recording a show. Recording your thoughts, um, prepping with your thoughts and structuring them and structuring a show, prepping for a show, executing, you know, from concept to execution. Obviously that that's never a bad thing. So that's another reason why occasionally you're going to hear this solo show. So for the most part, I have my wonderful co-producers and co-hosts and friends to accompany me, but... Uh, at the same time, I can also just sit in front of the mic and uh, record and uh, do these things, whether it is because of a screener or whether whether it is because of some movie I want to talk about whether with someone or by myself. But uh, we'll get into it. Uh, uh, first of all, some very brief contact information. And this is Podcast on Fire on the Podcast on Fire Network, the show that covers Hong Kong cinema, new and old, mostly vintage, but some dips into the old. And... Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, for instance, on email, uh, and, and the site, by the way, is podcastonfire.com. You'll find the right uh, on the right side as a uh, little remote control to the various uh, shows, and uh, you'll find other shows on Korean cinema and Japanese cinema. We have bonus episodes. We do uh, shows on sleazy movies and what have you. So make your choice over there. And if you're a first-time listener, thank you very, very much for considering us. I really, really appreciate it. And on behalf of... All the other guys uh, that are on this show um, and on the various shows on the network, uh, I extend my thank you. Hope you like us and um, let us know what you think. Email, for instance, podcastonfire at googlemail.com. 
but you can get in touch with us on social media the relevant links are in the show post but there are handy buttons at the top of our website you if you click the facebook button you'll get to facebook uh, and click the twitter button to do the same for twitter if you want to subscribe to us on itunes there's the itunes button and if you want to stream us online or via the applications available on the apple app store or google play just click the stitcher button and hence search for stitcher on your relevant app store you know it's uh it's a little bit um you know raw recording this it's uh, unscripted to a degree so before the main review i thought i'd just throw in some items in terms of what i've been uh, doing lately and watching lately because uh, this is a show that's recording on a sunday the, the goal is to simply have it out uh, in a day two or three so this is not old information as such but uh, even if it was then it would be relevant to a degree. It's a long way of saying that uh, I'm going to share some things I've been uh, doing doing and watching lately. If that's of interest to you, great. If it's not, then, uh, then sorry. <laughs> you can skip skip a little bit. But I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not going to make this too inside. I'm just going to share some passions of mine in terms of my watching habits and my gaming habits. But uh, first of all, I talked of on the um, God of War podcast about being in the middle of um, watching this anime series called Kimaguri Orange Road and uh, it's a 48 episode TV series there's um, eight OVA episodes and well there are two movies I only have one Uh, the the second move was done quite seven or eight years after the fact so I haven't got to that yet point is I finished the 48 episodes and I finished the movie and I finished the OVAs Uh, the, the gist of it all is that uh, Kimagori Orange Road is a, it's teenage romance. It's a romantic triangle, and therefore it's fun. It's light, but it also has an ESP family at the forefront. So there's some supernatural elements as well, but also the theme of um, a teenager's indecisiveness and uh, uncertainty as you you awake uh, you awake sexually to a degree. It's not a sexual show, but those things are there because he's a teenager after all there's some raging hormones going on in there and that's played for slight drama and discovery and it's also played for comedy and uh, i can imagine its success because it was what was due to the fact that you could uh, relate if you were that uh, demographic and uh, it also was a fun type of execution uh, a lot of good 80s uh, pop songs because they use a wide variety of uh, theme songs and different openings and different closing credits and stuff like that and it was all fine and i knew the series wasn't gonna end matters as such it it ends on a, a note where we have a big reveal but the romantic triangle that still has some questions that need to be answered so that's where the movie came in the Kimagori Orange Road movie with with the English sort of subtitle I Want to Return to That Day I think it's the full title it's a 70 minute movie so it's easy to get uh, through but what I didn't expect was that the movie took a not a right turn in terms of its intentions and flipped everything on its head but in a way it did because the movie is heartbreaking man and it's real and what that means in essence is that all these questions that have been piled up across 48 episodes with it being a triangle they are going to be answered and therefore characters are in need to have talks that are difficult that they might have felt and the series did not express this but they might have felt that this talk is going to come eventually and 
it's going to be difficult. Relationships are going to change. And I read some reviews that thought that the movie was too depressing. And I can't say I thought that because I was kind of taken aback and quite taken with the fact that they went a very mature route and it was genuinely heartbreaking because when you have a triangle going on here even in a light fun fluffy teenage romance someone's gonna be unhappy and the way they chose to play that was quite um, emotional but not melodramatic as such it was just um, sort of a wave of um, emotions came over one character and it's been it's been coming and that character probably and again, this is anime. This is cartoons. But I, I, you know, I was engaged. But that character probably knew that at one point in um, its life, I'm not saying him or her, <laughs> is, uh, which doesn't make sense, I guess. But um, that character probably knew that uh, there's going to be a moment where things are going to be difficult and you have to confront truths. I really appreciated the movie for taking us on that journey and sort of concluding matters. The OVAs, actually, that I had, I mean, they were labeled... Uh, volume 1, 2, and 3, the laser discs that I got. And the movie was free. But as a matter of fact, the OVAs were produced after the movie, but they throw us back into the timeline of the series. So this is, uh, th- there's 48 episodes of the series, and let's just say that you can place those episodes somewhere around, you know, you know 45, 46, 47, or whatever, before the actual ending. And um, it was fun to go back, in a way, and uh, th- that's all, all she wrote. So Kimaguri Orange Road isn't that complicated. There is another movie, which I'm not sure they're going to put everything on the line again. Maybe it's just, just another fluffy adventure. But presumably they, the characters would have grown up a little bit, and uh, that would have been it. But uh, if you can get it, because it's, uh, it's, it was expensive to get on Laserdisc, but... Being, uh, being as it's an out-of-print title, unless Animego in America do a... Uh, kickstarter for for the series again but i don't think they have the rights anymore so it was expensive to get on laserdisc but being seen as it's an out of print title on dvd uh, those prices are insane man even for separate volumes of only you know four or five episodes per dvd which is just sad to see that um, you know the out of print factor means you're gonna make it unobtainable and I don't like that. So um, I hope you can get it. And uh, if uh, you want to try it out, there's other ventures uh, to watch it, you know, for free a little bit. And then maybe you can figure out if you can get it um, at a suitable cost. But um, I, I do recommend it. Kimagori, Orange Road. Uh, a minor mention of a last movie's watch. It's going to come up on a show. Uh, it's a Korean movie called uh, Springtime. We do a show called What's Korean Cinema, so it makes sense I watch Korean movies every now and again. And it was sort of my pick. Back in the day, I followed Korean cinema, the new wave, your JSA, old boy, and so forth. That that new wave, which one was more versatile than that, but those are just examples. I followed that, and I got an appreciation for Korean um, actor Choi Min-sik, probably mainly through the movie Phylon which co-starred Hong Kong actress Cecilia Cheung. And they have like one or two scenes together in the movie, but they really uh, they really make that emotional connection work. Anyway, Choi Min-sik really was an actor that fascinated me. It felt like one that could do anything. And I saw a review once upon a time by, um, by an online friend that I don't have contact with anymore, who had a review website, and he reviewed this movie about a teacher of some sort and my vague memory was that he was probably a music teacher piano teacher and paul queen of hangul celluloid 
probably nail it down uh, the fact that this is the movie called Springtime starring Choi Min-sik and um, you know it's a gentle movie he plays a, a music teacher goes to a, a small poor town and teaches this uh, band uh, of um, kids in middle school or whatever to uh, become better and to try they're gonna try and get to a big competition but thankfully it's more about what's outside the classroom and their uh, about Choi Min-sik's journey from from more of a cynical uh, teacher to someone more appreciative of uh, of life and uh, things like that. And um, he's as always very watchable and uh, it's always nice to see that gentle side of him because he has it in him, Choi Min-sik, despite old boy and what have you. And also it's not nice to see the gentle side of Korean cinema because... Hong Kong, Korean, or any other cinema can slot itself into the melodrama quite lazily and work off um, tropes we've seen before, sometimes having to do with cancer. And in this movie, they don't adhere to the same old, same old, which I appreciate it. So uh, that review is going to come up in the future, what's Korean cinema, um, sometime in 2018, because at the time, the schedule is sort of full, and we're doing Christmas specials as well coming up, so... Uh, but uh, Springtime is uh, some uh, movie I I, I I got good vibes from it uh, back then. And um, when I finally watched it, uh, they uh, it turns out those vibes were true instincts in terms of I think that's a solid movie. Just a quick mention there. I mentioned gaming. I mean, uh, I won't go on a big thing about it. But uh, I, I, I'm not a modern gamer as such. I, I, I play your Red Dead Redemption and your Grand Theft Auto a little bit. Um, but um, I'm still more of an old school gamer in terms of... Uh, replaying and playing some games I didn't catch out of the graphic adventure genre or the point-and-click adventure game gaming genre which is a fascinating one for me I grew up with it so it's a nostalgia factor connected to it I'm not necessarily the world's best gamer in terms of that because I usually need some help with walkthroughs and what have you especially if it involves logical puzzles but I do all right and I played for the first time and completed uh, the 1992 LucasArts point-and-click adventure game called Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. And by that point, we only had three movies. And so this was the fourth big adventure. And it was really cool because uh, I know it's a regarded game and uh, I'm weak for the genre of the graphic adventure, the sort of old-school VGA graphics and all of that. But it was nice because um, this tried something new for the genre, at least as far as I know, and that is the branching paths and the ability to have somewhat different endings and different experiences and that that means that you can either go on your adventure solo you can go on, on your adventure being more physical or using your wits or you can go uh, and or you can go on the adventure with someone in this case uh, the character of Sophia which I did for my uh, for my first playthrough of the team path and I thought that was very well executed <laughs> it was so fun to look at online reviews video reviews and a lot of screens and set pieces I didn't get to experience because they weren't part of my path. Meaning that the replay value is actually quite strong. And for a title from 1992, I, I think the execution was very well done. Because sometimes you think when, when you're among the first that tries something new, that execution might be shoddy in the beginning and get better as time goes along. But uh, Fate of Atlantis really did it good from the get-go. And the only sort of negative is the fact that the voice acting for the game is not the strongest in all areas. I mean, the indie uh, Indiana Jones actor, it's not Harrison. Harrison Ford. 
it does okay, but um, it's it's uneven across the board. But back in the day, the fact that our adventure games got voice acting was amazing. That was the advantage of the CD-ROM technology and all of that. So it's still quite a, quite an amazing thing. I remember playing the game Simon the Sorcerer, and even though the character is a kid, well, teenager, they got uh, Chris Barry from Red Dwarf to voice him, and he sounds more adult than he actually is. But Chris is very very funny, and it was so wonderful to hear a talk. And so it's a mixture of nostalgia, voice acting is good, slightly unsuitable. So there it is. Uh, yeah, so why not uh, you know conclude this and uh, move on to the Shockwave review? So um, do give me uh, any notes or feedback if this uh, section of uh, personal observations towards what I've been doing lately, if that's a section that you like to hear or not, but uh, I like to share it. Uh, I guess that's uh, that matters, uh, first of all. But uh, we're going to take a short uh, musical break regardless and uh, move over to the main attraction of this episode, and that is the review of Herman Yao's Angelao vehicle, the action spectacle Shockwave from 2017-2017. So sit tight and I'll be right back. <laughs> And welcome back. And the review of this episode is Shockwave from 2017 and plot from the Cinesia website. Having worked undercover to break up the notorious crime, a notorious crime ring, Officer Cheung, played by Andy Lau, makes an enemy of the gang's uh, boss. Years later, Cheung has become a senior inspector in the Hong Kong police force and the most respected member of the Explosive Ordnance Disposal Unit. Having sworn to take revenge, the criminal mastermind Peng Hong, played by Jiang Wu, returns to Hong Kong and layers one of the busiest tunnels uh, in the world, the Cross Harbor Tunnel, with explosives, thus taking thousands of innocent civilians and the city itself hostage. There's only one man the criminals will speak with, and he's the only officer with the skills necessary to even attempt to defuse this potentially explosive situation. So as for my short opinion of the movie, in a way it's routine with no real flourishes and the two hour running time seems daunting from the beginning. But Herman Yao still executes with an assured hand and he has his movie star here in the form of Andy Lau to add presence, authority, the effects work is surprisingly physical and well executed and there's an escalation that leads to an impressively big ending. So it's not... You know, the biggest out of Hong Kong last year. It feels a little bit sort of medium budgeted. But based on that, it actually executes its... Um, and I don't know the budget. It just feels a little bit lesser than uh, the biggest spectacle out there. But all, as I said, based on that, it's all it's all solid, man. And um, it helps that you have a versatile, solid director here. And a movie star presence. So, And it starts... Uh, Adding from the beginning here, this decent sense of the terrorist movie. We got callous villains that want big destruction. They're preparing bombs and, uh, you know, really, really big bombs. But uh, there's also, from the get-go, this um, 
pulse of the movie that's about uh, it being an undercover movie so we got ongoing surveillance uh, already so there's no waste again it is two hours so you wonder if they're gonna put everything you know push everything in front of us from the get-go and then they're gonna have problems spending the two hours uh, but ultimately that's a no they they don't have a problem but uh, i do think that way but it's not unwise then again to show what your what your movie is like and what the teeth is like and uh, to let it also have a structure where they show that the bad guys are smart and even smarter they cut off uh, the gps for instance that uh, the surveillance team uses to track and allows undercover officers and uh, it's not unwise to make this uh, statement and it's even a confident statement that it's a fast-moving action picture from the get-go. Your star is there. Even in a clown mask, you can see your star's eyes are very present. And uh, your genre elements are on. So I, I'm, I'm getting a good vibe from the get-go. Then again, you don't know if that's going to be a success or not in the end. Because you have to maintain this momentum. Sometimes when looking at the acting from the mainland villains, uh, the wide-eyed, sort of hollering, screaming villains... Uh, it's not my favorite type of villain necessarily. It might be okay for a somewhat shallow action movie, but uh, there's certainly no menace when they act like clowns a little bit here. Uh, uh, one of the characters that eventually gets shot and um, and put in jail, the, the younger brother of the actual villain that we meet later in the movie. That over-the-top acting was certainly nothing inspiring, but in between all of that, uh, Herman Yao and his action team, they do some nifty car stunts here, uh, real, real physical stuff, where a car slams into this bus and there's real pyrotechnics aided by seemingly very little CGI, uh, cars flip, and... Uh, you know, as I said, it feels like a smaller movie capable of playing decently with uh, the big guys and uh, playing decently with this action feel. And even at one point, there's a maybe it's a precursor, but in a way, they, they placed a, an ambulance over a uh, uh, an overpass or a, a minor tunnel. And when uh, that explodes uh, above the tunnel, the taxi, it's a well done mixture of physical and and effects and not this as some some people sometimes say this obvious playstation 2 graphics going on here from a modern uh, production so there is a momentum here that and a physical effects mixture that i quite uh, quite like plus and love so there you are there, there's obvious stuff like uh, but, I, but i don't mind there's the obvious stuff of uh, there, there's a lecture where they talk of how a hand grenade works and you know that's going to come back sometime it doesn't come back to uh, at the very end though i can say that much but uh, you get a uh, further view of andy lao leading here as a character he's a charming authority and he's committed to this movie and he's also a character he's not a gag man he's not like a one one-liner type of uh, guy or anything it's not the character but he does use some sly humor without him being a gag man uh, at one point they are going to dismantle this uh, bomb that they found at a construction site an undetonated bomb of some kind they talk about that this can destroy a tank and it's also unstable and he sort of smirks at that because he knows that yeah that's kind of inappropriate to say but it's also true but I'm confident enough that we're going to get this done. So that's one of the sequences where he disarms a bomb. And there's some good tension here when he drills the top of the bomb. And he stops. And Herman Yao takes a beat. A quiet one. And then he continues. 
so and, and succeed because he's anti-law so those are fairly confident beats without revolutionizing the uh, the action movie or thriller movie or anything uh, anti-law has a love interest in the movie not the most inspiring developments if you will he meets the character played by song ja and she's uh she meets her when she when she's drunk uh, she was, she's down she has troubles in her life so hence she's uh out of town drinking uh, but then again if you deliver frills and how certainly does so decently character drama doesn't need to be the best or anything it's fine and uh he cuts to um you know half a um, half a year later or one year later in s- some instances and we see some things that have happened on screen including the fact that Song Jia and Andy Lau's character are now together if anything there's a mature choice here again it's sort of canned and hollow but it's fine I suppose but there's a mature choice here where even with this flash forward they're not fairly decided if they're going to commit to a relationship or not because she says that well I'm in the middle of a divorce and maybe we should just stay friends and Andy says well friends who do that meaning that they sleep together or ordinary friends and uh, herman is obviously trying to create a uh, emotional connection uh that's brewing as the uh, hostage situation escalates and all of that so it's okay but um, certainly not um, drama or melodrama that's uh, hugely felt or anything and he also establishes that uh, the various police officers and cops they have uh, they bond and they have a friendship that's uh, that's established. Uh, it, it's established on the surface as their their colleagues and their brothers and they'll do anything together and that, that's also fine because you have some veteran actors uh, to act that out and uh, a slight connection I guess is fine because um, while not affecting it's still a little bit of a gut punch when when one of them blows up. Uh, one the the cars of one of the officers is um is rigged with a bomb so that's a an, an, a surprise if you will we can sort of sense a few beats before it happens that ah three two one boom so yao is how many hours really play with tropes and cliches and uh you know andy lao says at one point because they know he's targeted targeted in a way like uh, in a way and he says i can take care of myself i don't need protection and he's not macho for the sake of it but when all is said and done i think herman is doing the tropes okay and it's clear though but it's clear though that action noise needs to carry the movie more than just through a few bombing sequences uh, but the bombing of the policeman in the car, it's an indication that Herman Yao can push. And there's going to be tea fear, there's going to be death fear, and, and, and some bloody violence. Um, but when we get the introduction of uh, Jiang Wu, which apparently is uh, Rogue One's, uh, and uh, he's also director Let the Bullets Fly, uh, it's the brother of Jiang Wen. So yeah, I thought they looked very, very similar. Is that Jiang Wen? It's Jiang Wu. Click the, click the uh, HKMDB profile. Oh, his brother. Okay, makes sense. But there's nothing scary about the sort of fashionable villain you know he's got cool specs and he enjoys him he enjoys himself as he watches the police trying to disarm a bomb he's placed in a building area via hidden camera so it will take more to make this more than a generic bad guy out for blood you know and he's laughing as well so uh, it's it's a little bit shaky in terms of the introduction to the villain a little bit stock and uh, there's, a, there's a fun sequence here in, in the where they realize they can't disarm the bomb where they are uh, uh philip kung 
where which is sort of Angela's co-star he decides to run away with the bomb <laughs> just simply run away get out get out of the way and they run towards the harbor and drop the bomb into the sea and boom uh i thought that was slightly unintentionally hilarious that uh, the the big professional scientific solution is run away with the bomb so as the tunnel sequence and the whole situation is set in motion obviously how many hours needs to add characters that are stuck in there via some veteran acting and uh, veteran actors cost and uh, we, we have some geography in terms of where we are in the tunnel and where it's blocked and how it's blocked and all of that and how many is dependable as i said he's versatile and he responds well to what we know of him and uh, as i said he displays some teeth as the scenario kicks off i mean uh, a couple of maintenance workers are shot in a surprise uh, surprise section and uh, even the philip kong uh, character he doesn't die but he he, he does this uh, second act of bravery where they, the police manages to pick up these shot maintenance workers through some extensive bravery if you will so they're, they're trying to paint the police in a good light of course uh, you you should also say that it doesn't hit the movie any consistent spikes in quality high quality when he lowers cyber it just it hums along along that decently executed line thanks thanks to a star at the forefront even interesting interesting twists like the younger jail brother jail brother he's resistant he doesn't want to be freed by his older brother it's wisest move though to make sure this feels dangerous uh, although it is a trope as well is that jang Wu's character who calls himself blast will kill hostages and that's when the character works it's not always the laughing sort of giggling villain but when he drops those giggles and quirks that's when the character works better when he's very straight about it and also when he clearly honors his promises as police have in terms of getting his brother to him that's when the character also starts to work in a little bit a little bit better way it's all surfing action movie villain characteristics that are not deep or new or anything but it's something and it's the thing i appreciated more about the characterization and as i said herman yao stays sort of out of the way as a director i mean i mean it's shot with this very straight visual style and there's no desperation to please the sort of younger audiences audience that want everything to be noisy and fast on screen there's no sped up shots or crazy visuals and it's just straight man and uh that might not look very exciting but i appreciated a movie that we can see for one and when you have a dependable director behind it and a star to lead it that, that style is more than more than sufficient some specific notes uh, I, I won't spoil it but uh, there, there, there are a fair number of sequences where Andy Lowne do need to disarm a bomb and uh, one is clearly not going to succeed the movie really plays up heroism and uh, dignity dignity and death and things like that and an idea that he has made the movie goes well up until it starts to get way too melodramatic uh, the tragedy that happens when Andy Lau fails it would have been fine I guess if they focused it on just one character having an emotional breakdown but they sort of make this it's a shock wave of crying across the board dozens of dozens of people that witness it witnesses it cries all at the same time and I thought that was a little bit too big for this movie a bit unintentional in terms of uh, the melodrama and certainly not 
convincing, but an effective idea uh, that was okay for a bit, and then that turn uh, happened. Across the board, there is solid acting, but some wild acting that doesn't quite click. I mean, Philip Kung is on that scale of it's a bit too wild uh, dramatically, but Herman manages to write certain sequences with dialogue like from Philip that I don't want to be an office officer yet, meaning that he doesn't want to be deemed psychologically unstable for field work. And that's an interesting idea that because it's a frightening idea for someone who wants to work in the field and all of that. And slowly but surely, Herman seems to earn his two hours because as the tunnel scenario progresses and its developments within, and some surprises also within, that kills off long stretches in in a flash. And all of a sudden we're we're at the 90-minute mark and we're almost done. The second villain that turns up, I won't uh, reveal who that is, uh, it's a pretty stock villain as well and... Uh, I don't know, it's a very veteran actor. But he is more... He's so stock and so like giddy and so greedy that it becomes rather laughable uh, the way he's direct. And, uh, he's not in it that much. The ending contains a lot of gunplay. It's not as physical as and wild as it used to be back in the day, but it's pretty extensive. And uh, that finale in general gets the job done with some brutality, the volume of shooting in action. And... You know, you you don't see 2017 Hong Kong gunplay as such. Although it, it doesn't have any John Woo style or anything like that. But uh, it felt like a rare uh, sort of packed sequence. And it's, um, you know, the pulse needs to be stronger and beats a lot faster for the finale. And it does, because we got some violence here. Limbs are shot off or cut off or whatever. And uh, and obviously the movie's going to end with a bomb or two being disarmed. And uh, Herman knows what he's doing here because we sort of know what to expect but then again mid final scenario we we doubt our expectations and i think that that's a good thing and that makes us sit up and pay attention i'm overall fairly pleased Uh, it's a good little watch Uh, the screener i had was in mandarin and although performed mixed and set in hong kong it sounds hollow and distracts from the crisp visuals to have all Mandarin. I think Andy is dubbing himself in Mandarin and the mainland villains are probably dubbing themselves but obviously are performing in, in uh, Mandarin. But but the artificial nature of dubbing in this day and age with these crisp looking movies, uh, it reduces the immersive nature a bit. Uh, uh, the trailer indicated Cantonese sync sound. I might be wrong but it looked like it. And thus maybe the Mandarin villains will be dubbed. But uh, I had a online screener that was all Mandarin, and I can't confirm what's on the UK disc. But uh, regardless, I, I, I was into the movie, so it didn't detract a lot. But um, if that is the case, that it's supposed to be Cantonese sync sound, then there's your note on that. But as for availability, it is available now on DVD from Cinesia in the UK as well as uh, for rent digitally. Uh, there's no Blu-ray for this particular title in the UK, uh, so if you need one, there, there is the Hong Kong import, but note that that is Region A. And I think uh, the UK is Region B, just like Sweden, for instance, is Region B. But at any rate, I want to thank Mike at the Warrior Agency for setting up the show with the screener. So thank you very much, Mike. So that is it for a little solo venture. And uh, I, I feel good about these things. It's quite uh, physically exhausting to be talking all throughout with no break. But uh, as I said, I embrace these challenges. I talk 
like I do right now when I think about summing it up. I talk about it with a smile on my face because I'm happy that I don't sit on these creative instincts and uh, just do it and throw it out in the world. I mean, it's, it's not really about the quality, but the fact that you conceive and execute it. And I think you should take that with you. And uh, in regards to whatever creativity you do, whether it's in front of a mic uh, or if you write or if you if you create in, a, in any other way, then think of this as it's not quantity necessarily that's the uh, that's the main goal but certainly the uh, habit is to, to get the habit going that's the important thing and that's one of the reasons why i do these little solo shows uh, not just because i had a screener but uh, it affords me the opportunity to to uh, challenge myself because so many years in nothing is easy so do remember that. So I'm going to sign off for now. But uh, for all your Podcast on Fire network needs, go to podcastonfire.com. All our shows are listed on the right-hand side in terms of uh, what shows to um, uh, pick. They are there. Podcast on Fire that you'll be listening to is the show that covers Hong Kong cinema, new and old, with some dips into international movies that feature Hong Kong talent. And uh, our email is podcastonfire.com. Click the various buttons at the top of the website for our social media presences, our iTunes link and our Stitcher radio link. And that is all. And uh, my my site, of course, SoGoodReviews.com is where the site where I, re- where I review specific Taiwanese genre movies, Hong Kong category free movies, uh, ninja movies from Godfrey Home likes. And uh, so have a peek and see if you find something you like over there. But in the meantime, I'm Kenny B. Thank you for indulging me in a way but uh, in general thank you for listening hope you enjoyed and we'll see you next time bye bye <laughs>